today's episode is brought to you by Musical Theater Radio's merch store. Looking for that perfect gift for someone or just want to treat yourself to some great musical theater themed merch? Head to musicaltheaterradio.com and click on the All Things Theater button on the homepage and check out all the different designs available. And now, today's interview. Welcome back to another episode of Be Our Guest here on Musical Theatre Radio. I am your host, as always, Jean-Paul Yovanoff. For today's interview, I am pretty much just going down the street. As a Canadian, I have to help my fellow Canucks introduce them to the world. They, There may not be many of us, but we are a mighty force to reckon with. And today we will be pointing our toes towards the world of dance and welcome Chelsea Robinson to the show. Chelsea, hello! Hello. Thank you so much for having me, Jean-Paul. I'm excited to be here today. No problem. So before we get into, uh, you know, your your dance company and all the stuff you've done, we want to get to know you just a little bit better because our guests might not know you. I need to get to know you better. So in 30 seconds, the 30 second bio of Chelsea. Okay. Personally or professionally? <laughs> personally? I think so. Do you? Yes. Okay. <laughs> I'll go personally. Hi, uh, I'm Chelsea. Um, my maiden name is Lehman, and that's where a lot of my credits will lie. Um, but my married name is Chelsea Robinson. I am a mom of two beautiful girls, uh, Chloe and Poppy, in this new little stage of my life. Um, I am an identified dancer, singer, actress. I've been doing it my whole life. Started at two years old. Will not end until the end. Um, <laughs> and I'm married to an incredible supportive man named Zach who is my rock and supports this crazy journey I call life and musical theater and dance and singing and acting so that's me in a nutshell nice isn't it nice to have someone who supports you that way and is he is he in the business as well or he is, he is not no we joke that he has a, a quote-unquote real job um <laughs> I definitely nope. do have a real job it's just not always seen that way on paper um so yeah he's a consultant but he's so supportive and uh through being with me has become a lover of musicals as well uh he's got a couple of broadway shows under his belt now and uh he's actually seen a couple of musicals twice so that just attests to my uh my ability to get him and anyone truthfully to love musicals so there you have it i'm in the exact same boat mine's not in the business as well she's a high she was a high school teacher so that's yeah it's just kind of nice not to no offense to any of the performers in that but it's kind of nice sometimes not to deal with the drama for lack of a better term that comes with being in the business or the competition at home shall i say you know, I'm not worried that he's booking more than me. (laughs) (laughs) So you said you've been, you've been uh, dancing and and performing since you were two. So that's, that's been a while. So is, is, is your family a a theater or a music or a dance oriented family, or are you kind of the, the black sheep of it? 
my mom's side has a lot of music in their in their family. Um, my uncle Clifford, in in particular, um, as a young girl growing up, was always playing his guitar, and I was always put on some sort of stage, whatever that looked like. If it was a shoebox, I would dance on it, um, and we would uh, we would sing and dance together. So that was nurtured really from the start um, through him. My mom also plays guitar; she sings a lot, um, and my dad likes to think that he you know is also a good singer and dancer <laughs> and actor he I used to come off stage and he'd be like your arms were like this but they needed to be like this and I'd be like yeah okay dad you know what you're talking about um but yeah just a, a, a strong sense of artistry in my family um but uh yeah no dancers okay and I, I know you went to Randolph after after high school and everything but while you were in high school was there ever a point where you went maybe i'd go in this direction with this career or this type of path was there anything that interests you if you hadn't gone into the, the performing side oh well high school was really instrumental to go into this for mm -hmm. me um which i can get into in a second if you'd sure. like to hear that side um but <laughs> no this was always something i was going to do i, I didn't really have anything else um my family tried, it, it was, it's been a running joke for us for a long time. They really wanted me to become a doctor, but they wanted me to become a singing doctor so that I could heal the world through my music, which is kind of funny. Like no one knows this about me, but my <laughs> uncle Dan used to always say, you're going to be a singing doctor, Chelsea. You're really smart and you're really cute and you're going to make it happen. Um, so that never happened, but the singing <laughs> did carry on. Um, but just to appease you, um, I had a really supportive guidance counselor in high school. Now, fun fact, she also was my aunt's best friend. So I did have a little bit of a special connection with her, but she really guided me um, into being more of a performer. I was able to use my, I started teaching dance when I was 14 years old, just because I got to those levels in my dancing that I was had the ability to do it. So I received a gym credit by teaching other students dance in high school, which allowed me to have an extra spare that I could go to the dance studio early to get more dancing done or to prepare my teaching classes like a, like a job. Um, but I also noticed in my, um, my, my, not my, like my immediate circle, but like in the circle of my grade, there's a lot of children or teens uh, who didn't have the abilities that I had. They did not have the, um, the financial backing from their families to be able to dance. And I recognized that. So I actually started a dance team, uh, complimentary in high school, where we would perform at the basketball games and we would perform at the football games. We're essentially like a little cheerleading team, uh, but for dance. And that was really well supported through my guidance council counselor. Um, she, of course, saw all of that in me and sent me on a trip to Randolph. Mm -hmm. um, she set up a, she ended up connecting with the school and put together with my drama class and as well as some of the members of my dance team, they sent us on a bus up to Toronto to go to Randolph. I remember Jerome Bob was my teacher and funny enough, he owns a dance competition and my kids go to his dance competition. So it's come full circle. And it's very special. Um, but uh, yeah, he was my first teacher and I walked in the doors and it's, it's an old church. And so it just feels like 
theater magic when you walk in there and it's Disneyland to me and the walls sparkle. Um, and there's just a special energy about the school and it really does feel like that fame. It feels like that Juilliard of Canada. Um, and that's how my, my dad actually told everyone, Chelsea goes to the Juilliard of Canada. She goes to Randolph Academy. It's a private school for singing, acting and dancing. Um, <clears throat> so we went there and I remember walking in and I took that class and I was like, this is where I need to be. I need to be here. I'm going to live here. I'm going to be here. Um, and then I auditioned and I got in. Nice. So where you said you came up to Toronto. Where are you originally from then? I'm from Kingston. Okay. So. Yeah. So the, I was supposed so to go not... to Queens and be a doctor. <laughs> <laughs> but that didn't I guess, happen. I guess naturally, if you're already there. Right, yeah. Well. <laughs> yeah. And unfortunately, my dad was a little unwell when I went to school. And so a lot of people encouraged me to do something else. But um, at 17 years old, I moved out of Kingston and I moved to Toronto by myself and I got a, a little job and I supported myself and I did the thing. Yeah. Um, and it was worthwhile because now I have a lot to show for it. And I'm really glad that I persevered during that time. Nice. Um, and, and so I was going to say, when, when did you uh, finish uh, Randolph then? So I went to Randolph 2007, 2009. I started teaching in their kids program in 2008 um, before I had graduated. I taught there for quite some time. And then uh, the kind of magic to my story is that they sent me on a really fun journey. A long story short, George Randolph, the founder of Randolph Academy, has a really cool relationship with a man named Allah in Amman, Jordan. And he really loved musicals and he met George by fluke and uh, together they had a really unique partnership they still do um, where they wanted to bridge east and west together in terms of musical theater and bring more education to the east and so George said Chelsea you got to go to the Middle East and I was like okay I'm gonna go teach musical theater in the Middle East awesome um, and he paired me with uh a, a now really dear friend of mine, Melissa Morris. Um, you may know her. She composed the score of Evil Dead. Oh, um, yeah. But they put the two of us together and they said, okay, Chelsea, you're going to go and you're going to teach the dance. And Melissa, you're going to teach the film and TV and the acting and the singing. Uh, she's actual vocal coach at Queen's University. So the world gets even smaller there. Um, but we went and we we were told that we had to create a year-end performance uh, where we had to write our own musical. And so together we wrote our own musical, but we didn't realize that we were writing it for the princess of Jordan, where we got to personally teach her and be with her and have her bodyguards <laughs> outside the door. Um, and being in a you know Middle Eastern country, it was quite different from where we are here, but it is truly um, the the special start to my story. I had graduated school and I had done, I, I was Carmen in Fame. I was Mimi in Rent. I had done a million um, commercials. I've done some, uh, I'm on Murdoch Mysteries. I've done um, a couple of music videos that were really influential and like CMT's best video of the year. Um, but this was like the highlight of my career. Instead of being on stage, I had to like design a show. I had never done that before. But I had to design a show in a different country, in a different language, with a princess. Which just, <laughs> you know, no pressure for your first show. Yeah. Um, but it was, uh, it was really special. 
and she was awesome. And we kept in touch for a long time. Um, but funny enough, uh, George Randolph's daughter and I, we went to school together. We're best friends. She's getting married there in September. And so I get to go back and I'm hopeful to uh, get to connect with Princess Aisha again, 11 years later. That's a surreal story. That is very mm -hmm. cool though. Um, and that's, you know what, I'm always curious about um, musical theater in other countries. I've, I've done a round table with a, a bunch of Finnish performers. I've talked about South Korea with another gentleman. Um, what's it like? What's the musical theater scene like there? What's, what's the similarities? What's the differences that, that you discovered? Well, my, my, my world was a little bit small when I went over there, um, but there's a, a wonderful lady named Laura Tella who does amazing work with those kids. And you would never know that we were in the Middle East. We felt like we were in America. Um, she did amazing work. Now, the only thing I would say that's like truly a difference um, is, you know, like getting things over there takes a lot longer, like importing, like for our costumes, for example, if we wanted to create costumes for June, if we didn't order them by January, like we weren't getting them. Um, and so, but they have a lot of amazing seamstresses that made things happen and, and made it work. Um, but outside of that, the only other difference is that there's just some like culturally things that we can't necessarily say or do, um, for like a pop culture reference, like Lady Gaga was huge when I, when I went over there and like Lady Gaga was banned. Like we were not allowed to like listen to her. So, um, yeah, that was interesting. Cause I was a lot younger then too. And I was like, well, what do you mean we can't listen to Lady Gaga? And they're like, well, listen to what the, what she's saying. And I'm like, oh, okay, I get it. Um, but yeah, so like some of the musical, you know, references um, and stuff, it doesn't necessarily fly. However, Laura, who I worked with, um, also she has a really great way of cutting and pasting and making the story still make sense, but also um, having everything kind of put together nicely and still be able to tell those stories and, you know, those journeys without having to, you know, have it so Americanized. So what's the name of the show what was the basic plot of it so our show that we created yeah. uh it was called come fly with me um princess aisha was peter pan and so we kind of borrowed from storybooks a little bit and so peter pan came onto the stage and opened the book and then we flew to different lands we had a dance program and as, as well as like a musical theater program and so we did like oh the things you can think from zeus and then i did like a ballet number from cinderella and uh we used peter pan to go from place to place and we were actually able to put peter pan on hydraulics and have her fly and the stage was unreal it was a beautiful theater uh the royal family came to watch and they sat front row and yeah it was just uh it was, really, it was a really cool experience and also my first one so it's like been really hard to talk <laughs> since then but I try my best <laughs> wow that's incredible um so you came back after that and uh, Toronto must have been a little little bit of a letdown <laughs> after going to something like that not as many Actually, princesses in Toronto I know that um but my, uh, my, sorry, go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> and so so what did you do next now that you were back so just before I left, I had gotten a really cool job at the Toronto Cricket Club, mm -hmm. the Toronto Cricket Curling and Skating Club. They're most famous for being um, Brian Orser's 
Olympic figure skating hub, shall we say. Of course, they're also known for many other things like cricket, uh, but they did have a dance program. Uh, for 10 years, for a whole decade, I worked there. I started out with three kids when I started out. And by the time that everything had been said and done and, we, and I was on my way out around March 2020, um, when the pandemic started, I had 150 kids in the program, which was really special for a private club that only had so many kids to to work with and work from. So um, I did that and that was amazing. And then I also consulted and creating the dance program for the Granite Club of Toronto, um, which is top five in the world for private clubs. I also am a Pilates instructor, so I have my Pilates certificate. I'm also a bar instructor. I worked at a famous uh, bar studio called Barworks, and so I worked also at the Adelaide Club. I also worked at the Boulevard Club and many other um, private clubs. So I became almost like the traveling private club dance fitness instructor for <laughs> over a decade there. Um, and then finally, you know, COVID happened. And while things were unsure, a lot of my clients were saying, Hey, where are we going to dance? Where are we going to dance? And so I looked at my husband and I said, we're going to dance at my studio. And he said, what your studio, we're not opening a dance studio. And I go, yeah, we're opening a dance studio. And I had just had my first daughter. She was two months old. And, uh, I decided within one week I was opening a dance studio. And I was very lucky that I have a client um, who owns a, a, a housing development company. So they were able to help me get floors within a week. Um, I put mirrors up and I put bars in and I'm two months postpartum painting the whole studio purple because that's what color my dance studio was when I grew up. And I called my dance teacher, Miss Chris, and I said, can I please paint the walls purple? Do you care if I have a purple studio? And she's like, I'm proud of you. That's awesome. <laughs> um, so then I opened Positive Dance Experience. Um, I've always been nicknamed a positive poly. I actually was fired from a job once because I was too positive and too happy and it was distracting. Every time I go into a Starbucks, they always say, you don't need this coffee. You're already so happy. Um, and my happiness really truly comes from a choice to be positive and happy. Um, you know, I didn't have a whole lot growing up, but we made it what we had. And um, I choose to be happy every day because the alternative is not so great. Um, my mother's mom is named Pauline. We called her Polly. And so I decided to name my business positive for me and Polly for my grandmother. And so it's positive Polly incorporated with positive dance experience PDE. What was that like to, to be teaching during the pandemic? Was I guess it, was it online or was there people just spread out or how, how did that work for you? Yeah, so I didn't really teach online at all during the pandemic, mm. um, which I wasn't overly mad about, I'll be honest, because I was very pregnant. Um, <laughs> so I was kind of okay with that. Um, I had come, my husband and I had just gotten married. We we uh, conceived on our honeymoon. And so it was kind of like, I'm okay just to relax here for a little bit. The wedding was stressful. Um, but I did end up teaching a little bit online and it was really tough. When I opened our studio, uh, I did teach online for a long time because we are in Toronto. We got really hit hard with the pandemic. Um, but it was really hard. You know, we, we're we on a screen right now. People can't tell that we're on a screen. But when you teach dance, you're backwards. Yeah. 
So I would have to turn away from my screen, which already is so hard on its own, um, and face the back, which was not so great. Um, there was always like a lag, always an internet problem, especially around 6 p.m. when I was teaching dance to, to kids. Um, tap was an absolute nightmare because of the lag <laughs> of sound. Um, we, you know, Zoom really improved by the end of it, but we ended up using this awesome company called CallBridge, which is also based on out of Toronto. And that was a nice feel good moment. Um, and they had uh, a really cool opportunity to work with us and do um, some stuff on Zoom. So we decided also from positive dance experience to do a little initiative to give back. We wanted to get, we always love giving back to our community, but we thought, you know, there's a lot of kids who are sick during COVID. These hospitals are overwhelmed. Let's raise some money for sick kids. So with CallBridge and uh, sick kids, we put together a awesome uh, dance-a-thon. We had all kinds of amazing professionals come and volunteer. We raised a ton of money. We got recognized on CTV. Um, and so it wasn't all that bad being online during the pandemic, but it wasn't all that great either. Yeah. We made it work. Um, but I also am truly grateful for things that did come out of the pandemic because there is a lot of positives. I probably wouldn't have never talked to you on Zoom if it wasn't for the pandemic. And so... You know, there's a lot of opportunities for my students to train um, with, with you know, artists in other countries or you just expand the net a little bit more. One of our special guests was in L.A. He uh, he works with Tate McRae. Um, and so he was able to to zoom in and uh, talk to us as well. Finley McConnell, who was awesome. So, um, yeah, no, it made it made the big world a little bit smaller. Um, wasn't my favorite, but uh, we did it. Oh, I've so many artists I talked to. The you know the pandemic was terrible, but the things we took out of it, the skills we learned, the them audio or in this case video, and, and you know what the funny thing is, I was using Zoom for my interviews before the pandemic, and I would show P, I'd say here's a Zoom link, and people would be like, how does this thing work? And then the pandemic <laughs> hit, and then everybody had no problems doing the interview. I was like, okay, good. This makes my life easier. <laughs> oh, yes. A every age population can now use Zoom, whether it you're at the beginning of stages of life or the end or in the middle. <laughs> Everyone can use Zoom by now. It's so true. And, and you're awesome. right. But the world is smaller now. We we would not have met as num the number of people if there had not been a pandemic. We who knows? I, I'm, I'm always curious where our lives would be and who we would have been or, you know, the businesses we would have or would not have started if mm -hmm. not for the pandemic, which, you know. I don't think my business would have started without it. So I'm all about looking for the silver lining. And uh, I got really pushed towards my truth and what I should be doing. And uh, I it wasn't great, but I'm grateful. So what have you been up to then now? What, what's what's going on now and, and what's in the future for you? Yeah, so, <clears throat> pardon me. Um, we go to a lot of dance competitions. As a dance studio, we go to a lot of dance competitions and I'm trying to, not single-handedly, but it feels that way sometimes, um, change the world of competitive dance as it relates to musical theater. So, I can just imagine what your face is going to look like and some of your listeners, what their face is going to look like when I tell you what happens at dance competitions. But mm -hmm. when we go to dance competition, um, dancers will dance to a song. For example, I have a dancer dancing to Girl in 14G, sung by Kristen Chenoweth. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and she's an amazing performer, but she does lip sync it. Mm. And she does an awesome job lip syncing it. She is excellent with her, her words and the way that she is able to match Kristen perfectly. But in my world, that is not musical theater. And musical theater to me is a singer, an actor, and a dancer combined in one. Mm-hmm. And at dance competitions, we call this musical theater. And what we call real musical theater, we call it song and dance. Because you're actually singing and dancing. So I'm on a little bit of a mission to change that. I'd like song and dance to be called musical theater. And I'd like musical theater to be called lip sync. Mm-hmm. And there is a competition that I'm going to this year that is starting to change that. And I'm supporting them because I love them. But I put big numbers on stage with props. Everyone gets a headset mic. The kids get vocal training. I was able to come full circle. I brought Melissa Morris, who I went to Jordan with and created that musical Come Fly With Me. She is our vocal coach. So the kids are getting university level vocal warmups in their training and Um, My studio is very, very, very small. We have under 100 kids. And my goal is to really, if they're interested or even if they're not, but to bring everybody to a professional level or to their absolute personal best. And so what we do really well is we create a very unique and specific choose your own adventure for dancers where we really cater. We have a big schedule, but we cater their offerings for them so that they can navigate a path where they can become a truly professional artist. And if they don't, they have become a truly amazing human because we all know arts change people. And so what these kids are able to achieve out of being in our program is just truly remarkable and invaluable and well worth the return on investment. Even though some dads look at all the diamonds we have on the costumes and they're like, why am I paying so much for the diamonds and the costumes? But Uh, The diamonds on the costumes don't mean anything, but it's the training behind it and the people that we have working with our students. It's kind of the downfall sometimes because all of our amazing choreographers are extremely professional. They're currently working. They're in troops. They're on stage. I have one dancer right now, Luke Opdahl. He's uh, in stage West Calgary doing nine to five right now. And so we we lost him this season, but that's okay because we're always going to bring him back. But uh, we sometimes lose teachers because they're so amazing and they're still working professionally. But that's the value as well, is that they're working with our amazing kids. And and that's what's so different about us. It's funny, we actually went to a competition this past weekend and uh, we got a really cool compliment from a judge that says, every time you guys come out, your stuff is so different. And I like different. It's not competition-y. You're not... Mm-hmm. Um, doing a specific style, a specific brand of dancing. When you do Fosse, you do Fosse. You can tell that there has been theater history. There's been dance history put into your classes. Um, and so that's what makes us really special and really unique. Um, and I sometimes feel like we're like Toronto's best kept secret. And I like that. Mm-hmm. But um, well, who, long, who knows how long we'll keep that for? We're only in year three. Nice. But uh, I'm so proud of my dancers and my my students and my staff. It, we're really a community and it's very, very, very special. I, I agree with the I was I was actually working a dance competition at a theater. Uh, I won't say okay. because I honestly just don't remember the name of the company, but the musical theater scenes. I went, this isn't musical theater like this is like. If I saw this on stage, I'd be like, what the heck is going on here? This isn't musical theater because this is, yeah, it just didn't make sense. <laughs> right? It's like and, the, 
it's like the ABBA like uh, impersonators, you know? Yeah. That's what it kind of feels like to me. I feel like we're impersonating instead of, you know, being music, actually performing authentically. Exactly. And 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 maybe maybe the dance teacher um was a choreographer and a dancer and not necessarily musical theater, right? Because there is a there's a there is a difference between just Absolutely. being a pure dance and have being a dancer and a choreographer for musical theater. There's it's just there is a difference. For sure. And I respect that. And especially in, you know, rural Ontario, you know, is it possible for them to all have the same training as me? Probably not. Mm-hmm. Um, but I still want to change the world yeah. and have it be correct. And rural, rural Ontario, those kids can still get vocal lessons. There is a piano teacher somewhere uh, checking octaves all over the world. So um, yeah. I think that it could change. And that's, I don't know, that's my little mission. Where am I going to from here? Um, I had awesome experiences choreographing for main stage theater company. I've done Hairspray. I've done, oh my gosh, I'm going to forget them now. This is the mom brain coming in. What have I done? <laughs> Hairspray. I also did, hmm, I'm going to forget it now. I, I need to pull up my resume. But um, I, I really love that aspect, doing bigger productions. So we're, we're going to start moving towards that side of things as well, because uh, for me, musical theater is the heart of what I do. And uh, I'd like to see it on a bit of a bigger scale and also more opportunity for kids. Mm-hmm. There needs to, there's so many musicals and it's hard when we're choosing these routines as well, just to make sure that they're appropriate. But even getting into workshopping or writing musicals that are our own, our ideas that are our own, that are original to us, that, you know, the kids can really connect to and mm-hmm. almost have it be like a form of therapy as well, like creating these stories and, and sharing our, our experiences. So that's coming down the line. I'm hoping sooner than I'd like, but uh, I, I have big, big dreams and big ambitions. So we'll see where that goes. Well, you'll have to keep us informed. <laughs> all that Absolutely, I will. Everything musical theater. <laughs> awesome. So the question is, how do people find out about you? Where do they find out about your company? And, and if they're in Toronto and they're interested in this thing? Yeah. So Positive Dance Experience is at Avenue Road in 401 in Toronto. We're just off the 401. You can find us at www.positivedanceexperience.ca. And our handle on Facebook and Instagram is positive dance experience. Very nice. Our phone number is 647-649-0-T-D-E, which is our short acronym for our studio. Nice. And yeah, we'll be sharing all that that information on our, our, well, everywhere (laughs) that we promote (laughs) stuff. So great. Um, so Chelsea, thank you so much for coming on and, and talking about, you know, what you're doing and where you're, you're taking the musical theater world in, in the, the form of dance and, and what you want to do with it. Um, but before we go, I always, well, don't always, I haven't done it in a while, but I'm going to ask three questions of my guests. Now there's no okay. right or wrong answer, though the audience is judgy. <laughs> so I'm like, nervous now. Okay. <laughs> no, 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 no. And I'll throw you a softball first. We'll make it nice okay. and easy for the first question. So question number one. What creator or team within musical theater has had a great influence on you? It could be a composer, lyricist, director, producer, actor, even stage manager. It could be somebody famous or not famous, like a teacher. Is there somebody who's had a great influence on you? Sergio Trilogio. I always mispronounce his last name, so my apologies if I'm doing it again. Um, Randolph, we, you want to know why? 
Of, of course. Oh, okay. So I just kept going. I'm like, I could just give you that period, <laughs> end, end of sentence, um, or I can keep going. Um, he came in as a special guest when I was in my very first year. I had been at Randolph for maybe like three months or something. And he came in fresh off Broadway. He was working on a show and uh, he gave a few dancers that were selected, I was lucky enough to be one of them, and the six term uh, dancers as well, a chance to learn a combination of his and perform it. And like an audition, he cut everyone, except for me. He picked me at the end. Um, and he's like, he's like, what do you want to be when you grow up? And I go, coming straight from Kingston, only dancing, <laughs> did a bunch of musical theater solos that were lip synced. Um, I was like, I really want to be in the chorus at Mervish. I just want to be ensemble and I want to dance and I want to see the lights. And he goes, well, why would you ever want to be ensemble when you're a leading lady? <laughs> and I was like, me, a leading lady? And he was like, yes, you, you, you have so much potential. Mm -hmm. And so that always was kind of in the back of my mind. And then um, I got to work with Jim Betts and Merrick Norman in sixth term. And I had a very special relationship with Merrick Norman. We called him Miracle Norman because mm -hmm. he's magical. Um, and they cast me as the lead in the musical. And I had never... I sang, like I liked singing, but I was like, a lead? You want me to be the lead of a musical? I've never been a lead of a musical. And, you know, there were a lot of people in my program that like were fantastic leading ladies as well. And like, I thought for sure they, I, so they were gonna get it. And so when I got it, I was like, what? I'm a leading lady? This is crazy. So it all started from Sergio. He, um, he lit that fire under me. So he's definitely one of my greatest influences coming out of school, but also, you know, Miss Christine, Miss Melissa, Miss Tanay, my uh, my my moms, they raised me. So um, they are also my biggest influences as well for many Very reasons. Nice. Very nice. One point, one point. Those are great answers. So, all <laughs> right. Question number two. Okay. You said that, uh, you know, your family suggested becoming a doctor. If you were to become a doctor, what kind of doctor do you think you would have become? physiotherapist <laughs> <laughs> well you know it's funny like i i did kind of follow that i feel like pilates instructors are physiotherapists in their own way um i'm stop pilates certified for matt and i'm also body harmonic certified for matt and i did it because of my you know my love for learning i'm never done learning i will never be done learning um i've done many other courses as well but i wanted to make my dancers stronger but I learned so much more about the body from like an anatomical perspective that really helped dance. And we got a little bit of that when we were training, but not as in depth as you did with Pilates. So I kind of feel like in a very small way, I did also become the doctor. So I don't know. I would be, I'd be in kinesiology somehow, but my sciences were horrible. I was always making up dances at my desk. I was never really paying attention to science. I shouldn't say that because my dancers will listen to this and be like, see, I don't have to listen to science. And I'm like, yes, you do. Yeah. <laughs> but um, yeah. Okay. Another correct <laughs> answer. Another point. Awesome. <laughs> All right. Question number three. Here's the big one. Food in the theater or cell phones in the theater? Which is worse? 
Hmm. I'm silent. You've stumped me. <laughs> I don't know. Oh, I think food. Okay. I would rather people have food because then they're able to really enjoy and they're still engaged and like I don't know about you but like when I'm watching a movie and it's really exciting and I have my popcorn in front of me like the way I'm eating determines how I'm viewing things like I might slow my popcorn down if something's like really scary like barely taking a bite trying not to make a sound as like the film's also silent or the theater's also silent um and then also if something's really exciting I could just like shove a whole handful of popcorn down my throat um, I'm also not a big fan of like the candy opening, like in church, you know, who want to keep everything quiet, but phones are awful because, you know, there's a whole thing going around right now that Al Blackstone's talking about a lot in New York City about filming dance classes without people's permission. And, you know, just, just there's a time and place for things to be filmed. And I automatically associate phones with filming and, you know, stealing people's intellectual property and, you know, the lights being really distracting for the performers. And, you know, something I always tell my dancers, I say, you know, you have to keep your eyes to the audience. The second you take your eyes away from them, you give the audience permission to no longer look back at you. And so if you look away, someone's going to grab their phone and they're going to start scrolling. And then once they have started scrolling, you have lost them. You will never get them back because that phone is so entrancing. So make sure you're always keeping eye contact. You're always keeping your audience engaged. And so with food, <laughs> you can't do that. <laughs> you look down, but you have to look up because looking at your bowl of popcorn is so boring. Anything <laughs> on stage is more exciting than your bowl of popcorn just sitting there. So um, I don't know. Apparently it's only popcorn allowed, but uh, <laughs> food. Well, you know what? And also, who doesn't like a little bit of wine when they're watching a musical? Like it just makes it better, right? See, so. I would have also accepted neither are good. The reason I don't like food is <laughs> I didn't know that was ushers. an option. I, I I can make up things. This is my show. I can do whatever. Okay, I want. you're right. You're right. I, I would also go with neither. But yeah. um, I I don't like the food for the ushers because people are pigs and leave so much garbage on the floor. Like when yeah. I've left theater, like there's just wrappers and bottles, and I'm like, pick it up, people. What is wrong with you? So. Well, and you know, as someone who works a lot with children, it's scary. There's so many allergies. There's mm -hmm. so many, like if you're, you're sitting there eating your peanut M&Ms and someone is really deathly allergic to peanuts, like that's also not good. And people sneak things in all the time. So it's not like you can, you know, it, it, when you're selling things like concession, you can control it. But if people are sneaking in their own snacks, then you can't. Yeah, anyway, I, that's my two cents. <laughs> I had somebody tell me a story that they, some people behind them brought in like fried chicken into the theater and was eating it there. Um, just, yeah. That's not fair. That's like McDonald's fries on the bus at the subway or something. Like you smell it and you're like, Oh, now I have to get McDonald's French fries. Thanks a lot. Random person. <laughs> Especially if you're an actor and you smell that like, Oh, now I want that. <laughs> and I forgot my line because I want some chicken or whatever. <laughs> so um, three correct answers, three out of three. Congratulations. Thank you um, very much. I have no prize, but you can brag to everybody, <laughs> so, whatever that means. But uh, Jalsy, thank you so much again for, for coming on and telling us a little bit about yourself, uh, that fantastic story about, you know, heading to Jordan and uh, telling us about your uh, dance company as well. So thank you so much. Yeah.
thank you so much for having me. This is a really cool initiative that you're doing. And thanks so much for bringing musical theater to the masses. It, uh, it, I hope it's an art form that never gets lost. So thank you so much for your part in creating the world of musical theater. My pleasure. All right. We were just speaking with uh, Chelsea Robinson here on Be Our Guest. Tune in next week as we'll speak with another guest or guest about their life, love, and passion. That is musical theater. I am your host, as always, Jean-Paul Yovanoff. And until next time, I'll see you when I see you. <laughs>